Welcome to the Hills Church Podcast. We hope that it helps you become a strong and passionate follower of Jesus Christ. For more information, you can head to our website at www.hillschurch.com.au. Enjoy this week's message. Well, good morning. And uh, yeah, so as we continue with our missions month, uh, I've been reflecting on a particular passage in the Bible and uh, just thinking through some of the missions themes and thinking about the, the journey that Corey and I will be going on as missionaries. And one of those core elements of being a, a cross-cultural missions worker is that you go into places prepared with, to, to be able to answer questions regarding faith, hope, beliefs, and you're obviously aiming to, to live out what it looks like to to hold those, that faith, hope, and, and beliefs in, in your life. You in, ingrain yourself into communities and cultures. You get familiar with what their needs and challenges are. Uh, you do life with people in community, and uh, you, you learn culture and language. You ask questions. You, you're inquisitive. Uh, you think through the challenges that they're facing. And in the course of those engagements and building those relationships, uh, questions arise and you, you look for, for how you answer those questions. Of course, not every question has friendly origins. <laughs> some people, like uh, our missionaries in Vietnam and China, find out that some people are asking questions with uh, a nefarious agenda. <laughs> they would maybe like to see you not <laughs> answering questions to do with faith and belief. They might want to see you leave the country. And uh, so for, for us in Australia, um, as we think about that, uh, we, we can see that even within our own culture, even though we've got a, a commonality of language and, and somewhat of a commonality of culture, it can be harder and harder to find common ground in order to be able to talk to other people and to be able to share aspects of our faith. Uh, what's arisen is this uh, cancel culture uh, that... That statement of, uh, oh, well, that's your truth, that's not my truth, highlights this disconnect where uh, truth has become individualized and it's, it's, we, we've almost rejected some centralized place of truth holding. Uh, it, it, even though people uh, seem to be searching on one hand for agreement and uh, connection, on the other hand, they're it's been quicker than ever before to sort of disconnect from uh, disagreement. Oh, I don't, you disagree, so cancel. <laughs> and that cancel culture that, that we're seeing is not just in, in the world. We, we can see that uh, good people doing good things find themselves on the wrong side of a hot topic and all of a sudden they're, they're cancelled. But in fact, the same thing can, can happen in the church. And understandably, all of this can make us reticent to, to come forward with answers, to uh, jump into to questions that are being asked. It can make us uh, very hesitant. Uh, so we, we can then, do, oh, maybe I'll just avoid those things. Uh, or we can just disengage altogether and go, uh, it, it's, all, it's all too hard. So how do we navigate these challenges without simply withdrawing from the equation. And so the passage I wanted to look at this morning is from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 to 18. Now, Peter was writing to a, a group of believers who were facing persecution. They were facing their own form of, of cancel culture. 
they were being misrepresented and they were having their faith misunderstood and misrepresented. Like we've just done communion. Uh, they were facing criticisms like, uh, you're, you're cannibals, you're eating the body and the blood of Jesus. And so there were these very quick cancel statements. Um, oh, you say you love your brother and sister, incestuous people. And so they were finding themselves being grossly misrepresented and cancelled. And for them, cancellation, you know, included but not limited to, uh, you know, social exclusion, imprisonment, uh, perhaps uh, gladiator fodder. So uh, thankfully, we're not at the stage where we're we're facing those things. Uh, But the question remains for us, how do we navigate Uh, answering questions in this sort of an environment. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. Instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about the hope you have as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. And if people speak against you, they'll be ashamed when they see the good life that you live because you belong to Christ. So Peter's encouraging these believers to answer questions, whether they're genuine or whether they're misguided, whether they're being misrepresented or not, they're saying, have an answer for the the hope that you have as a believer. Now, I I have to admit that I've always read this passage quite narrowly, and I got caught on this answer. And in our culture, answer, it it feels a very verbal response. Oh, I need to have a presentation. (laughs) Like, uh, in fact, why, why doesn't he just give us the answer here? Rather than saying, have an answer, why don't you just give us the answer? Or at least give us a good outline here. <laughs> you know, what, what is the answer? Come and give me a hint. Uh, but the more I've read this passage, I realize, uh, I don't think he's actually fixated on the answer. He's more fixated on telling these people, I think there's some things you can do to be prepared to be answer givers. Uh, there's actually changes you can have in your life and you can live a particular way and you can behave a particular way. That is actually part of the answer and perhaps even more important than the words you speak. And uh, what, what he highlights, um, what, so he, he highlights more about this preparation. So the preparation begins before the question's even asked. Um, and some of the things that he says are important as far as that preparation is how are we worshipping Christ as Lord of our lives? Now, this begins before someone asks the question. It begins before we're formulating some verbal answer. It's core to who we are. It's us processing how do we worship Christ as Lord of our life? What does that mean for me? How's that reflected in the priorities that I set? How's that reflected in the choices I make? How's that reflected in how I live my life? Are those things reflective of being one who worships Christ as Lord of our lives? These are things that we've processed in preparation for any sort of a question to be asked. And then we need to look at the relationships because questions come out of relationship. They don't just randomly appear out of thin air. It's someone's asking. Someone is asking us. There's a relationship here. What is that dynamic? And for for these guys in in a first century communal culture, there was a, a very, very little divide between 
their public lives and their private lives. People lived in a very communal sense. They lived with a lot of people around. There was layers of family and social structure and community. And even when you went to bed, you were often in a a communal setting. Not a lot of privacy. (laughs) So for them, they understood um, relationships. Everyone's everyone's watching. Now, we think that's creepy. (laughs) For them, it was just a reality of their life. My life is on public display (laughs) for everyone. I just accept it. For us, we don't. We live with quite a strong private public divide. It's not right or wrong. It's just the reality of our lives these days. So for us, we have to shift some of our thinking because sometimes people can be asking us these public questions and we're in a private mindset and we're just not ready to to answer. So we need to prepare ourselves so that we're ready within the relationships that we've got to be able to be answer givers. And he continues in verse 16, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. And that that idea that, uh, yeah, the the approach is almost more, it's, it's a core part of the answer. Are we being gentle and respectful in what we do? Because we know that people read our language, our body language, before they read the words that we say. Uh, I don't know whether, like me, you've ever had that uncomfortable situation where someone turns to you and they go, you don't like me very much, do you? And you go, like, that's that's a bit awkward. I'm not prepared for that particular question. And then you start to justify, "I, I didn't say anything. I've never said I didn't like you. Yeah, yeah, we're trying to fool ourselves. We don't like them. And they read that in our body language already. (laughs) The truth is there for all to see and read. (laughs) Uh, Awkward. But how do you correct that? Only by preparing. You've got to change something before. Um, Words after the fact are not going to overcome the fact that you just told them. (laughs) You are hostile to them. You know, and if I'm honest, uh, in uh, the beginning of my marital relationship, my mother-in-law picked up (laughs) that perhaps I wasn't always in agreement with stances that she adopted in life. And she didn't pick it up from the words that I said, because generally I went very, very quiet and didn't say anything at all. So she already knew I I didn't like her sometimes. (laughs) And obviously that led to awkward questions. And I would try and explain my way. I didn't say anything. I didn't do anything wrong. But that, that wasn't really the answer to the question. The answer is I hadn't prepared myself. Uh, and so it wasn't until I rethought my relationship with her, until I rethought my priorities. Um, what is important? What is my relationship with this lady? And uh, how do I need to think differently? And once I started thinking differently, I started behaving differently. And then I didn't get the same awkward questions. Uh, I got different questions that I was able to answer. We, we can undermine ourselves by the behaviours that we do. And then he moves on in that passage to talk about living good lives. Because people read our lives before they listen to the words that we say. <laughs> and while it's not impossible for our cancel culture to cancel good people doing good things, it certainly makes it a lot harder. <laughs> and when there's an alignment between what we say we believe and how we actually live our lives, we also close the gap and we make it more difficult. And we bring about more likely the scenario where people will go, hang on, that's not fair to say that about that person. And you start to to get people defending you from, from areas that you, you didn't expect it. 
So I've taken a different view of this passage. If someone asks you about your hope as a believer, and then I love the fact that Peter's focusing in on that idea of hope. Because when we talk about the loss of common ground, hope is a common ground that we can recover. Because we would all agree that if someone loses hope or if someone is feeling hopeless, that's a bad thing. And if someone finds hope or if someone is filled with hope, that that's a good thing. Even if there's a misalignment around what they're hoping for, we generally find a common ground. Or like we, we are the hopeful people. We are hoping for something. We're forward-looking. And so we can leverage this common ground with the language, with a positive message of the, of the cross, of redemption. And so the... I've come to, to realize that uh, the, the reason Peter didn't give them a, a single answer or an outline for an answer is because there's different answers, because there's different questions, because <laughs> the questions are reflective of the relationships that we've got and where we're at and who we are and what our hope is and who's asking and who they are. Um, it, it's a lot more dynamic and fluid, but we don't need to have a presentation and we don't need to be amazing orators uh, but we do need to, to live our lives a different way so there's things we can all do that can set us up to be the answer to a question that will get asked out of relationship uh, so what's your answer to this hope as a believer what's your answer for our missionaries like the the Gabbets, um, they didn't go over to Japan with an answer, preformed, ready to roll out. They went over with hope that they held as believers. And as they uh, found their place within a particular community, as they set up uh, a church that wasn't just to operate on a Sunday, but to operate all seven days of the week, uh, as they looked for what, what were the felt needs within their community around kids' fun times or, or English courses or the, the unserved population of the homeless people in the park that were part of this community, uh, they found ways to live out their faith to evidence how they worshipped God. Uh, they, they formed relationships. They founded these things. They acted with gentleness and respect as they learnt about the, the culture and the language of, of the, the people that they were there to serve. And as these things happened, they had that chance to, to answer questions. Questions got asked. Mr. Ho, <laughs> you know, that, that opportunity. He asked the question because they were engaged in a way that no one else was engaging with him so doing good and being good and living the way we live our lives is not just incidental it's not a means to an end it's actually an active part of the message <laughs> it's part of how we live out this message it's how we live out the answer to the question what is that hope that we hold on to as believers and Peter continues to talk about this uh, involvement of doing good as he moves into verse 17 and 18. Remember, it's better to suffer for doing good, if that is what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. Christ suffered for our sins once for all. He never sinned, but he died for the sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered a physical death, but he was raised to life in the Spirit. And what I like is that, that idea in the middle here, of bringing you safely home to God. It speaks 
of reconciliation. It speaks of the, the fact that we were distanced. We weren't home with God. There's brokenness in this relationship. There's brokenness in our relationship with others. There's brokenness in, in ourselves. Uh, and we need to be brought home to God. It's a story of reconciliation. It's a message of reconciliation. But it's not a pat answer. It's, it's an answer that we experience, that we're living out. And the question for us is, what's our story of brokenness and reconciliation? And that's a, that's a story that's still playing out, if we're all honest. <laughs> uh, it's an unfolding story, but it's our story. And when we base our answer on our story of reconciliation, it becomes our story of our hope as a believer. This is something that we can share. It's not something we have to, to create or practice. Or, or It's something we live out, and it's something we speak out of experience. And again, it's hard for someone to shut down our experiences and our testimony uh, because there's something real and authentic about those things. I love the fact that uh, there's, there's a story from one of the Gospels of, of Jesus. John the Baptist had been put in prison, <laughs> a form of cancel, <laughs> uh, because he'd spoken out to, to, to rulers and authorities in power and called out some of their behaviors. Cancel, you're in prison. So John the Baptist sent some of his disciples to Jesus. And uh, John was having a bit of a bad day. And uh, the, the disciples said, are you the Messiah, Jesus, or should we look out for someone else? And Jesus answer, he takes them around with him for the day. He does miracles. He preaches the good news to the poor. Uh, he, he loves the community. And then he turns around to these guys and he goes, take this back to, to John. T tell him what you saw today. And then Jesus reconnects this with some passages from Isaiah about the Messiah and how he would come and, and how he would interact with society. This was Jesus' story. This was his testimony. Jesus did this. <laughs> In a cancel culture, Jesus uh, lived it out, and then the words were, were almost incidental. But this was his story of the Messiah who came to restore a broken world, to reconcile us, to bring us home to God. And we can do the same thing in our, in our lives with our stories um, for, for me, uh, part of my story is when I went to Dubbo with, with my first job and a guy named Phil uh, he wouldn't leave me alone, uh, <laughs> even though I was grappling with my faith. Uh, he wasn't profound. He didn't say anything profound. What he did was he picked me up for, for church. He picked me up for youth. He took me places. He, he, he cared for me. He befriended me when I needed a friend. And... Uh, his mum and dad, Bruce and Rose, uh, you know, they, they had me in their home. and They had me for meals. They showed care and concern for me. His brother, Roy, he took me to, to uh, two hours away to buy my first car. Uh, these people demonstrated the hope that they held as believers. They didn't just do good things. They demonstrated and lived out the hope that they had, in, had as believers. They lived out the values of how they worshipped Christ. And they did it with me in relationship. And as, as a result, um, I asked questions and they answered questions. They helped me process my faith at that age of life. That, that's part of my testimony. That's part of how I process through brokenness uh, and, and reconciliation to God. Uh, I always thought that the hardest thing about answering the question was the words. <laughs> 
uh, and many of us would identify, you know, it, it's not a natural thing for us to, to share or to speak or to present or to do public presentations. But actually, the biggest challenge is reordering our lives. <laughs> well before the questions asked, changing our behaviors, uh, worshiping God with the whole of our lives. <laughs> when people, well, when, when we think people aren't watching, <laughs> we're, we're fooling ourselves. And so even as Corey and I prepare uh, for our time in Cambodia, we're preparing for, for how we're going to answer the questions about the hope that we have as believers. But we've got we to start right back at the beginning. What's it look like for us to move into a new culture, uh, to be worshipping Christ as a lot of our lives? What's it look like in the relationships that we're going to build? How are we going to make sure gentleness and respectfulness is carried through in the language and the behaviours that we adopt? How are we going to need to rethink our approaches to certain things. Uh, what's it going to look like for us to, to do good in this sort of an environment so that we have a platform upon which then to share a few words? And so this morning, you know, since I'm being challenged, I kind of wanted to leave you with the same challenge. <laughs> I want to challenge you to reflect on your own answer to that question. What is your hope as a believer. Reconnect back to your own brokenness and your own story of reconciliation. And, it, and it's okay that that's still unfolding <laughs> because mine is. <laughs> it's part of our reality as we process that. What's it look like for, for us to share our reconciliation story with others, to continue to live out that reconciliation story? What's it look like to do good in our relationships? Uh, what, what are we communicating that we don't mean to, <laughs> that we need to go back to the beginning and rethink? Why, why do I get angry so easy? <laughs> why am I so grumpy? Why am I so standoffish with, with them? We start to rethink all those things through the context of how we live out our hope as a believer. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. So if there is an answer, the answer is about reconciliation. Are, are we living it? Are we experiencing it? And then what's more natural than to share out of a lived experience? So as we close this morning, I just want to pray for you for this week ahead. Thank you, Father God, that you've made a way for us to be reconcile back to you thank you that you've made a way for us to be brought into your loving family lord god and we acknowledge that you are lord of our lives lord god we acknowledge that we want to worship you with the whole of our lives that we want to reorder our priorities around who you are and i pray in this week ahead that we will rethink what it is to worship you with our lives that we'll be challenged uh, to change some of our priorities to change some of our behaviors to be more loving with the people in our world. And I just thank you, Father God, that we do have a hope as believers. Amen. Thanks, Nicholas.